On 30 service, how you doing? You doing good? Doing good? Well, we're excited to see you. You look good. I won't tell you to say that to your neighbor today because sometimes you feel like you're lying. But uh, look at somebody next to you and tell them, say, glad you're at church today. Glad you're at church today. We're keeping it, we're keeping it civil. Keeping it civil. Well, I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Maybe you're watching this live or watching at a later time. Uh, we're excited that you've tuned in to uh, be at church with us today. And we're in a series that we've called Monsters. And before we get into uh, part two of that series, I want to make mention of a, a few things. Spirit of Giving is coming up on December the 15th, and we now have a link available online. So if you want to shop for your own items and bring those here and donate them at Impact Central, which is now, if you notice today, if, if this is your first time here, you won't know any different. But for those of us that have been here for a while, uh, we've made some adjustments in the room so that uh, we could accommodate some more people. And so Impact Central is actually in the lobby now. And so on your way out, uh, if you want to drop those things off, you can drop them off out there in the lobby at Impact Central. Or if you want to go online, uh, there's a there's a giving box out there specific to that event, or if you want to go on our website, which is yourimpactchurch.com slash giving, and you can click the link there and in the drop-down menu, select Spirit of Giving. If you would rather uh, just donate a little bit of money so that somebody else can get your items for you, then we're more than happy to do that. We just want to be a blessing on that day to as many people uh, as we possibly can. Uh, the next thing that I want to let you know about is Next Steps. So if you're a part of our church and uh, you've never been through Next Steps, I encourage you to go through Next Steps. We've decided this time we're going to condense it into, it went so well throughout the summer that we did it all in one day. And it's about a, a three-hour uh, session, which we were splitting into three sessions that were one hour apiece. But it was a lot easier on people, from what we've heard, to come in one setting and just sit and get all the information and get involved and get everything they need to get right then and not have to come back the week after and the week after that. So we're going to do that again next Sunday. So next Sunday night, the 21st, we're having Next Steps. It begins at 5. It's from 5 to 8. Uh, we should have, as far as I know, we should have some child care available. For those of you, um, it'll be at uh, Little Blessings Daycare. And if that changes, we'll have them put it on social media and all of that stuff. But Child care will be there for that duration of that time. And this is an opportunity for you to get, maybe you're, you're new, you've been here for a little bit, but not long, and you're wanting to know, like, what is this church about? Why do they do what they do? Um, how are they reaching people? What is the vision? Uh, what is my purpose? One of the things that we feel uh, called to do as a church is to help people discover their purpose. So maybe you don't know what you're called to do. I believe that God has called everybody to do something. Everybody has a purpose, and sometimes we think, well, I'm not gifted, I'm not talented, I can't do that or whatever. No, God has called you to do something. He's gifted you to do something, and we want to help you discover what it is. So that's a part of that. So you're able to figure out how you can get involved, more information about the church. So I encourage you, next Sunday night, put it on your calendar. Uh, from 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock, we'll be at The Grove. And The Grove is downtown across the street from Paris Baby. So if you know where Paris Baby is, there's a conference room in the backside of that building that we'll be meeting in there. Uh, normally we've had this at our home, but uh, praise be to God, we have outgrown our home <laughs> doing Next Steps. So uh, the last couple of times it has been so full that it was almost uncomfortable for people. So we want to get in a more... Uh, conducive setting for that for all of you that will want to be a part of that so mark that down on your calendar next sunday next steps at the grove downtown and uh, we'll announce that again next sunday as well so um seems like there was one other thing 
that I was supposed to tell you about. Sorry, I'm getting my phone out in church, y'all. Yes, I know what it was. See, this is what this is what happens. <laughs> you use your phone. If I was to lose my phone, I would lose everything, right? All of my notes, all my reminders, all my everything is in my phone. Um, last week, I had talked to you about moving into, we're moving into phase two of the building that we purchased, uh, three buildings in a parking lot, a uh, city block downtown that we are renovating to turn into our permanent location as a church, which we're super excited about. And we're about to move into phase two. I don't know if you've been by there yet, but two of the buildings are completely uh, gutted and, and demoed and there's nothing left. And then we're about to start working on the third building to get that done. But in the meantime, while that's going on, uh, we wanted to give you the opportunity to know that you can start giving toward phase two. So if you want to start giving above your tithe, uh, you can do that online just by selecting the Beyond Movement in the drop-down menu. Uh, you can set up recurring giving. You can do it one time. You can drop it in the giving box. Uh, if you feel like God is saying don't give, then don't give. You know, Just obey the Holy Spirit and allow him to tell you what to do. But I wanted to let you know what phase two was <laughs> and kind of what we're looking at as far as financially. Uh, phase two, we're moving into uh, creating doorways to connect the buildings together. And we're going to be looking into roofing. So a, a good roundabout estimate, if I was going to give you an estimate uh, based on what we've heard and what we've gotten from people, is we're probably looking at about $150,000 for phase two. And so uh, somebody wants to write that check today. You know, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> but no, how many, how many of you know every, every person playing their part and doing what God says? I said doing what God says to do. Not doing what man tells you to do or doing, you know, well, the person next to me gave this much, so I better give that. No, just listen to the Holy Spirit and let God tell you what to do. And, uh, and the, the resource will come in. God's been taking care of his church for about 2,000 years, and I don't think he's going to stop now. <laughs> so we're going to be okay, but we do believe that everybody playing their part helps us get in there quicker and brings in the resource where we can do what we believe God has called us to do as a church. Amen? So I didn't want to forget to kind of give you more details on that. All right. So we're in a series. Today's part two of a series that we've called Monsters. And in this series, we're talking about a few different things that can devour our faith. We're looking at some things that uh, maybe maybe you, you've looked at your life before and in one area you had faith and everything was going great in that area. But now something has crept into that area of your life. And there's these monsters that we're in, these enemies, if you will, that, that are fighting against our faith. And so we're looking at uh, ways, that, ways that we can fight back against those and what God has to say about those areas of our lives. Amen? And so today we're in part two, and many of us have experienced times in our lives where we felt like we had faith for something. Have you ever felt like, you know, this week my faith is really good? And then ask me three weeks from now, and it seems like I don't have the faith that I had, and something else has crept into that area of my life. And I shared this last week, but this series is kind of based around this idea that if you were to go into the store, to the grocery store, and you're going in for one item, right? How many of you go into the store for one item? Right? Some of us, you go in, it's like, I just need that one thing that I forgot on Thursday, right? And so it's Saturday, you're going in, and you don't want to go on Saturday, but you're going anyway. And you're running in there, and you go straight to the aisle and to the shelf, and you know where it's supposed to be, and you get there, and it's not there. Anybody ever been frustrated in the store when you got to where you thought it was there last time? <laughs> last month when I bought that, it was right there. And now they've moved it. And I'm mad because they've moved it, right? And it's this idea with our faith also. It's like it used to be right there. 
It used to be right there, and now I don't know where it's at, and something else has taken the place of that faith in my life. And last week we talked about the monster of pride, and I would encourage you, if you weren't here last weekend, to go on the podcast or download uh, the Impact app or go on wherever you listen to podcasts on and just search Impact Church Podcast, and you can get our podcast there. And every week's message is on there. So if you ever miss or you're not able to watch live and you want to go back or you just want to go back and hear a message again, you can always – they're all archived on there. So I encourage you to go on the podcast, listen to last week's message because it's a game changer in our lives. I believe that with all my heart because we talked about the things that pride keeps us from. It keeps us from growth, that there are some of us that we're not growing and we're not experiencing freedom and we're not even in a group because we're afraid – to get in a group and we're afraid to expose ourselves we're afraid for people to really know us and that's pride in our lives that's keeping us from being able to grow and experience freedom in some areas we talked about how pride keeps us from serving and sometimes we say things like well i just don't feel called to do that well i didn't ask you you know if you wanted to start a church or if you wanted to start a business or if you wanted to you know if, if this is going to be your career choice i w- we're talking about serving and sometimes we we say well i just don't feel called to serve and we asked ourselves some questions that may have stepped on our toes a little bit, but sometimes we say that and we need to ask ourselves, like, really, am I not called to serve in kids' ministry and love on kids that Jesus loves? Or am I not called to, to go into the, the, uh, the less fortunate areas of town and be a blessing there where they may not have everything that I have, and that's how I'm allowing my life to overflow into other people's lives. See, serving, I believe everybody needs to be on a team. Everybody needs to know what you're called to do, what your purpose is, what God has gifted you to do, and then you need to use that gift on a team, and you need to be serving, whether it be in outreach or in our church here on a Sunday, however God calls you to do that. And then we talked about pride keeping us from salvation. Sometimes we feel the Holy Spirit pulling at our heart at the end of a service or when somebody's talking to us or uh, maybe it was last weekend, uh, last Sunday night at the night of worship, which wasn't that awesome. (laughs) Did anybody else enjoy besides me enjoy the night of worship, our very first night of worship? It was pretty, it was pretty incredible. Uh, but, but we feel that sometimes and we don't do anything about it because we have pride in our lives that's keeping us from experiencing the things that God wants us to experience. And then the one thing that we talked about how we can fight pride was obedience. Obey. You can't be prideful and obey. You're either going to not obey because you have pride or you're going to allow your obedience to override your pride and you'll obey. So obedience is how we fight pride in our lives. And today, as we continue this series, I want to talk to you for just a few moments on the monster of fear. The monster of fear. We've talked about pride. Today we're talking about fear. Now, has any, anybody ever been afraid? Some of you guys are just so tough. You've just never been afraid. You're awesome. You're awesome. Anybody ever been afraid? Afraid of something? I'm not talking about just something in your spiritual life. I'm talking about just being afraid of a spider. Come on, somebody. Spider running across the floor, and you're like, babe, babe, get the spider. (laughs) Right? And I I wrote down some common fears. I was looking these up, and some of these are, are interesting to me. And maybe you can find yourself in one or more of these today. But there's the fear of public speaking. Anybody have that fear? (laughs) You're looking up here right now, and you're like, I will never do that. Right? (laughs) The fear of public speaking, there's, there's fear of death. Uh, some, some people, a lot of times, we're afraid to die. There's the fear of spiders we talked about. Fear of snakes. Come on, somebody. I don't like snakes. I don't care. I don't care if it's a little bitty snake and people are like, oh, look at that little snake. And it doesn't even have teeth. I don't care. 
<laughs> I don't care. If it's moving like this, <laughs> then it needs to be dead, <laughs> right? Fear of fear of heights. Anybody afraid of heights? Fear of, I thought this was interesting, the fear of, and I don't understand this really, but there's the fear of open or crowded spaces. <laughs> so where do you go, right, if you're afraid of, <laughs> like I have a fear of open spaces, but I'm also afraid of like tight spaces, and some of you are in here today and you're like, I don't know if I can handle this, you know. It's like, where do you go that it's not open or crowded? One of the two is like, okay, I need like 15 people in the room so that it's not too open but not too crowded, right? Fear of open or crowded spaces. There's the fear of dogs. That's a real fear. Uh, ironically, fear of cats was not in here. I don't get it, you know, but. <laughs> the fear of thunder and lightning. Anybody ever afraid of a thunderstorm? <laughs> you don't want to be at home alone on, at a, during a thunderstorm? Anybody enjoy thunderstorms because you sleep way better when there's a thunderstorm, right? There, that's a fear. There's a fear of germs. Come on, where are my germy people at? <laughs> fear of germs. <laughs> there's uh, all these different types of fear, and I can't go through the whole list of everything that, that I found, but maybe you found yourself in one of those, or maybe there's something that we didn't mention that you're afraid of. Um, these are just a few of them, but with with these fears... Sometimes it's sometimes it's okay to be fearful. Like if you're afraid of spiders, okay. If you're afraid of snakes, okay. You know, like there are some things that it's okay. I'm afraid of heights. I'm just not going up high. It's not going to do it, right? Uh, some of those fears are okay, but I want to talk to you today about some of the serious fears that we face in our lives. I want to talk to you about the things that are the type of fears that paralyze you as a Christian. You ever been so scared of something as a follower of Jesus that you just didn't even know? Like, people are asking you, like, what are you, like, are you okay? Are you, like, what's going on? And you're just like, I just don't even know what to do. Like, I can't get my thoughts together. I can't figure this out. I, I, like, I'm scared to death of this area of my life. Maybe there's something traumatic that just happened or, or something that you fear that could happen because it happened to somebody else, you know, and, and it's just got you paralyzed as a Christian, I want to talk about the type of fear that most of us have faced or some of us might even be facing right now. And to some degree, it's the type of fear that, that even my wife and I, whenever we were, whenever God called us to, to move here and to start this church, there was a fear, y'all. <laughs> like, anybody going to show up, right? <laughs> we're going to do all this work and put all that, you know, build a team and all this stuff and there was some legitimate fear and those are the types of fears that I want to talk about today. It's the type of fear that keeps us from doing things or causes us to do certain things. It's the type of fear you might be facing in the current situation that you're in and I want to jump in as we as we start talking about this into 2 Timothy as we begin talking about the monster of fear and I want to read something that Paul wrote and he's writing this to Timothy who is a guy that, it's a younger guy that he's been mentoring, and and Paul, you know, he's getting older, and he's coming to the end of his life, and hey, I'm giving you some instruction and trying to teach you some of the things that God has taught me along the way, and this is 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to read verses 3 through 14. You can follow along either on your device or Bible or on the screen behind me. It says, I serve God knowing that what I have done is right. 
That is how our people served him long ago. Night and day, I thank God for you. Night and day, I always remember you in my prayers. Do you have somebody in your life that you thank God for? Because Paul is writing this to a person. And he says, I'm th- I thank God that you're in my life. I thank God that I had the opportunity to pour into you. I thank God that you're coming up behind me to continue this work. I thank God for you. Do you, do you have somebody in your life that on a regular basis you're like, man, God, I thank you that you have brought that person into my life so that we can do life together and we can, we can enjoy life together and go through the ups and the downs together. Verse 4, I remember your tears. I long to see you so that I can be filled with joy. I remember your honest and true faith. It was alive first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am certain that it is now alive in you also. That is why I remind you to help God's gift grow, just as a small spark grows into a fire. God put his gift in you when I placed my hands on you. God didn't give us a spirit that makes us weak and fearful. He gave us a spirit that gives us power and love. It helps us control ourselves. So don't be ashamed to give witness about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Instead, join with me as I suffer for the good news. God's power will help us do that. We talked about that in a, in a message series that we did called The Grind, where we're called to some degree when we enter into a relationship with Jesus that there's going to be some there's going to be some trouble there's going to be some suffering and Paul again here is saying God is going to give us the strength even though like like rejoice with me even though I'm I'm a prisoner right now I'm nearing the end of my life right now rejoice with me as a prisoner because I've been able to suffer and you're going to end up suffering for Jesus also anybody ever suffered for Jesus See, what, what I'm afraid of is that a lot of times we get into a season of suffering, a season of trouble, a season of hardship in our lives, and, and sometimes we have a tendency to turn our back on God instead of turning more to God. When it's not always, it's not always the devil that brought the hard thing into your life, sometimes God's trying to use the hard thing in your life, and it just comes with some suffering as you follow Jesus. God has saved us. He has chosen us to live a holy life. It wasn't because of anything we have done. It was because of his own purpose and grace. Through Christ Jesus, God gave us that grace even before time began. Can I get an amen there, somebody? It has now been made known through the coming of our Savior, Christ Jesus. He has destroyed death. Because of the good news, he has brought life out into the light. That life never dies. I was appointed to announce the good news. I was appointed to be an apostle and a teacher. Can I just tell you, and I know I'm breaking this up and, and all this, but there are some people like I'm called to do what I'm doing, but everybody in this room is called to announce the good news. So when Jesus was talking to his disciples and saying, hey, here's what you need to do and here's what you need to teach people to do, you need to go into all the world and you need to tell people the good news. You need to tell people about me. That's what Jesus was saying. Everybody's called to do that. Everybody's called to do that. Not just people that are in leadership in a church or leadership in your business, but every person is called to do that. That's why I'm suffering the way I am, but I'm not ashamed. I know the one I have believed in. I am sure he is able to take care of what I have given him. I can trust him with it until the day he returns as judge. Follow what you heard from me as the pattern of true teaching. Follow it with faith and love because you belong to Christ Jesus. Guard the truth of the good news that you were trusted with. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in 
us. Now, most of us, going back to verse 7, have probably heard verse 7 in some translation, some variation before, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And some translations say, read a little differently in here, but of power and love and a sound mind. I like the way it words it in here that God didn't give us a spirit that makes us weak and fearful. He gave us a spirit that gives us power and love. It helps us control ourselves. That's what God's spirit does. And it tells us that in that one verse that this spirit of fear, this monster of fear, does not come from God. God is not trying to make you afraid of things in your life. Because it says right there in verse 7, God did not give us a spirit that makes us weak and fearful. (laughs) What God is trying to give you is something on the inside of you, the spirit on the inside of you that gives you power, that helps you love like he wants you to love, that gives you a sound mind. You can make good decisions. You can control your thoughts. You can do all those things. That's what God is trying to give you, not fear. But so many times we live with a spirit of fear. And it didn't come from God. And so I want to address it today. And I want to talk about it. And I believe that this enemy is trying to corrupt our faith by bringing fear into our lives. You ever feared something that just never even happened? (laughs) You were just so fearful I mean, for three weeks, you're just wearing yourself out, can't eat right, just losing weight. You know, some of you are like, sign me up for that, (laughs) right? But you're just in this place where you're so fearful, you can't even function as a human being. And then time goes by, and, and that passes, and it never happens what you were fearing. And I had somebody tell me this one time. They said, why would, you, why would you worry and fear about something that hasn't happened yet? And even if it does happen, then you worried about it twice. <laughs> so you worried about it for a month before it actually happened. And then when it happened, you started worrying and got fearful again. But what happens most of the time is we're fearful of things, and the enemy brings this fear into our lives about things that will never even happen. And that God is working behind the scenes to even protect you from sometimes. But the enemy has convinced you that, oh, you're going to get that. They got it. You're going to get it too. Oh, it must just be just what we're eating. So fearful that what I'm eating is, you know, we're not fearful enough because we don't change it. But just afraid that what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, and all these things, it's like, it's going to cause me to come down with this disease or it's going to cause this to happen. or And we're just fearful about all these things because we've seen it going on in the world. We're fearful about what's going to happen in our country. And every time an election's coming up, everybody just freaks out. And it's all over the news. And everybody's bashing everybody. And it's like, oh, what's going to happen if this person gets elected? And what's going to happen if that doesn't happen? And what's going to happen if, if, that, if they go there? And oh, look at what's going on in the world. And we're so fearful about things a lot of times that will never even happen in our life and that's not coming from God that doesn't come from God power love sound mind that's what comes from God but the enemy has corrupted us with fear and if we were to go around the room today everybody could probably list off what they're fearful of right now That you're fearful of right now, in this moment, in this season, over the last week, that you've been fearful of right now because we are so consumed a lot of times with fear. And so for the next few moments, I want to do a couple of things. I want to talk to you 
about something that fear can cause in our lives. And then I want to give us a way that we can fight this monster of fear. That's kind of our layout as we go through this series. Here's the, here's the enemy. Here's the monster. What is it doing to us? What, and, and how can we fight it? What is it already doing to us when we're struggling with this? And how can we fight back against this? So here's, here's the danger in fear. Fear can cause us to compromise our faith. And I know last week I gave you three things, and today we're going to talk about this one thing, and then I want to talk about one thing that's a way that we can fight it a little more in detail. Because I believe, myself included, that fear is ruling our lives too often. Too often we're so afraid that we don't do anything, or we don't do what we feel like we're supposed to do, or we do something we don't feel like we were supposed to do. And in verses 13 and 14 of what we just read, Paul is voicing the importance of keeping sound faith. The last two verses that we read, Paul is saying, listen, guard it. Guard it. Guard your faith. Guard the good news that, that Jesus has given you what Jesus has done, that you're supposed to be announcing to everybody in your life and telling people about Jesus. You need to guard that. Guard it. And when I read that, I thought, it begs the question, why? Right? You ever read something and you're like, why? My kids do this all the time. Why? <laughs> why? And then we do the typical parrot thing. Well, because I said so. <laughs> well, if I was to stand on this stage and tell you, come on, you need to think about this. If I was to stand up here and tell you when you asked why, well, because I said so. <laughs> well, I'm not doing it because you said so. <laughs> right? But we use that all the time <laughs> in our own lives. But it begs the question, why? If, if Paul is saying, you need, to, you need to guard this faith, the question is, why do we need to guard the faith? And it's because I believe that he knew that fear through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you are familiar with that term or not, but that's how the Bible was written, is the Holy Spirit, God inspired people to write things down, whether it was in letters or to people. or And so that's what the entire Bible is. It's this story that God is telling from the beginning of time until, you know, the story of Jesus and then how the church got started and all of that. But Paul knew that fear would cause us to consider compromising our faith. Have you ever thought about, just not saying you did it, but because you were afraid, you thought about giving in to something? You thought about, well, I really believe this, and I really stand on this, and this is what my, you know, these are my morals. But because I'm so afraid right now, and I'm fearful that this might happen, or that person might do this, or whatever's going on in my life, I've thought about compromising what I told God three years ago I would never do. But the thought has come to my mind, come on, am I the only one, or y'all just so holy in this church today that nobody's ever thought about compromising your faith? I think you have, because Paul wrote it down. That you need to guard it because you're going to be tempted to compromise in some areas when you get fearful. When the enemy tries to bring fear in your life. Maybe you can think of a, a time in your life when your faithfulness to Jesus was dictated by fear of others. <laughs> oh, Whew, I didn't get your permission today, but I'm going to go there. So many times we do and don't do things based on what other people are going to think about us. So, you'll say things or you won't say things, or you'll act a certain way around certain people but not around other people because you're afraid of what people are going to think about you. Our fear of others 
dictates our faithfulness to Jesus too often. Maybe you, you did something in high school because you didn't want to be the only one not doing it. Come on, somebody. Nobody in this room is too old to not remember school. You remember, you remember that time when you did something that you knew you shouldn't have done because you didn't want to be the only one not doing it, because you didn't want to look weird, and you were fearful what other people were going to think about you or what somebody's going to say about you. You might lose that group of friends if you didn't do it. That was fear that the enemy brought into your life that caused you to compromise your faith. It caused you to compromise in some areas. Maybe you felt pressure to cheat at work. You felt pressure to cheat at work because you needed the promotion because you're just trying to support your family. And so because you're fearful that you're not going to make enough money or that things aren't going to come together or that God's not going to provide everything that you need, you really need that promotion because that spot just became available and somebody else is in the driver's seat to get it. And so you're willing to do anything you can to get that position so that you can make more money, so that your family can be more comfortable. And your intentions are good and what you're trying to do is good, but you're compromising what you believe and your faith because you're afraid of something. See, you didn't realize that fear crept into your area, of these areas of your life. The enemy just tries to convince it, well, just one time. Just compromise this one time. Just do it. You know, you'll get the position. They'll see you as a person who's qualified for it. You'll get the pay raise. You'll be able to support your family better. And we play it out in our mind and we justify it and we compromise because we were afraid. It all started with a fear. It all started with a fear. Well, I'm just afraid if I don't do that, maybe it'll never come open again. Well, I'm afraid if I if I don't get it now, then then I'll never get the 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 pay raise that that they said I was going to get three years ago, but I still haven't gotten. And and life at home is difficult because we can't afford everything that we want to do. Can I just encourage you today? Fear does not come from God. Let me tell you what comes from God: your provision. So if there's an area of your life that you're fearful that you're not making enough or you don't have enough, God is your provider. And you don't have to compromise your faith to try to do something to better yourself when you can just give it to God and say, God, you at the right time will better me. You will promote me when the time is right. And when God, see, this is what's great about letting God do it. Because, see, when God promotes you, nobody can take it away. (laughs) When God promotes you in an area of your life, nobody can take it away. See, when you, whatever you do, whatever you build it on, come on, somebody taught me this a long time ago, and this has been really, really helpful for me, and maybe it'll be helpful for you. Whatever you build it on, you have to sustain it on. So if you cheat to get there, you're going to have to cheat to keep it. And when somebody else comes in to the company or to the business or on the job site, and, and they're more qualified than you, and then the fear creeps in again, then you start talking about compromising again. Because I can't let them take my job. Because I cheated to get here, and what if they figure out that I'm a fraud and I really don't know what I'm doing, and that person knows more than me, so now i got to come up with a way that I can keep this position so that they don't get this position and I don't get demoted to that because I really don't know what I'm doing because I cheated to get here, and what I built it on, I've got to sustain it on. So when you build it on God, God sustains it. (laughs) You don't have to sustain it. When God promotes you and God provides for you, he sustains what he provides for. And that's good news for somebody today. Maybe at some point in your life, someone began to question 
what you believed, and it made you begin to question what you believed. Maybe somebody questioned, well, why do you believe that? And you told them your reason. Well, what about this and this and this and this and this? And now you're starting to question yourself, and you're like, well, I don't know. And the thought comes into your mind that maybe, maybe that's not enough. Maybe I do need to do that. Maybe that really is okay. And you begin to question it, and you begin to compromise. When we care more about the opinions of other people than the opinion of God, we set our faith up to fail. When you care more about what other people think about you than you care about what God thinks about you, then you're setting your faith up to fail. Because you're building it on you. (laughs) You're building it on you making other people happy. You being everything that everybody needs you to be. You always being the person that they need, doing the thing that they need at the right time that they need it done. Because you're so concerned about what other people are thinking about you instead of being more concerned about what God thinks about you. And sometimes we even fear being different to the point that we try to fit Jesus into a box that culture approves of. (laughs) Well, I won't be that weird Christian. So I'm going to fit God, and we do this all the time. And let me give you some examples of how this is, how this is just, just two that I, that I kind of jotted down that I think a lot of things can fit into. Here's what we say sometimes. Well, maybe Jesus is okay with it now, right? It's 2018. Times have changed, you know. They didn't have cars when Jesus was around. So maybe today it's okay, you know, like Jesus just didn't know that, over 2,000 years later, we were going to be living in this culture, in this society, around these people. And so maybe it's okay now. Like, okay, so what Jesus said then, maybe it doesn't apply now because times are different. This is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do. And I'm not going to get into some of the particulars that I could because it would make some of you mad. <laughs> and I'm not here to make you mad. I'm here to encourage you and build your faith today. But we do this a lot, and there are probably some areas of your life that you may have even done this in that if you were to really stop and think and say, Holy Spirit, what, is there an area of my life where I have made something okay that you said was not okay? And I've justified it by saying, well, times are different. Well, things are different now. Well, back then, people didn't do that. Well, back then, they didn't even have that around. Well, back then, no, like here's the question, did Jesus say it? Did Jesus say it? So if he said it 2,000 years ago and it was written down, I think Jesus knew that the same Bible that they had 2,000 years ago would be the same word that we have today. And it doesn't change. Well, maybe the Bible really isn't as relative to our lives today because things have changed. Maybe there, yeah, there's some stuff in there that, you know, it's just a little different now or whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. You need to read things in context because I've been around too many people that read things out of context and then they use one verse to tell you that you don't need to do that and really it's like, well, if I don't need to do that, then I don't need to do the other 14 things that were written down right before it got to that one. <laughs> right? I'm going to get off my soapbox here in just a moment. <laughs> you need to read it in context and understand what it's talking about and who it was talking to and what it was about before you start you know, judging people and and telling people they're wrong for doing something. But we also don't need to take the word of God and say that the word of God is not relevant 
today because times have changed and things are a little different. We do things differently nowadays. No, that's not the way that it works. Because I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it even sa- and it even says that that heaven and earth will pass away before one word of what God had written down will pass away. There'll be nothing left before God's word's going anywhere. So I'm sticking with what's in the word. I'm sticking with what's in here. And see, we're tempted. See, y'all aren't amen to me a lot today because we don't like this. <laughs> Come on, on the count of three, let me get a good amen. One, two, three. There you go. There you go. Did you know amen means let it be? <laughs> let it be. So when you say amen, you're saying let it be. So you better watch out what you say amen to. <laughs> let it be. Let it happen. God do it. See, this is the enemy creeps in in these little subtle ways and brings this fear in and it causes us to start compromising in certain areas of our lives. So how do we how do we fight back? Just for a few minutes I want to talk to you about how we can fight back against this monster of fear. And just like last week, I've put it into one. This is two words, but it's just one, one, uh, one point, and it's this right here. Trust God. So how do you fight pride? You obey. <laughs> how do you fight fear? You trust God. When I start to become afraid of something, fear does not come from God. So when, I start, when fear starts to creep up and I'm fearful of that, and, whoa, what if this happens, what if that? No. No, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust that God still has the whole world in the palm of his hand and that he's not surprised by anything that's going on and that nothing, God didn't wake up today and go, whew, didn't see that coming. (laughs) God doesn't do that. God knows all things from beginning to end. And so I'm going to trust God to fight the monster of fear. Trusting God looks like remaining faithful even when it's difficult. And I love, I love this example that, that the Lord gave me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help you in trusting God. I'm going to try to help your marriage at the same time. Can I do that? When you're, when you're married, so all married people in the room, when you're married, things change a little bit, right? So when you're married, there are certain times where you will have to say no to the friends that you used to hang out with all the time to spend quality time with your spouse. And this is difficult sometimes for some of us, right? See, because this is the way God designed it to be, that the two become one. Now that person is your best friend. That person is the closest person to you. And so there are going to be times that you have to tell your friends, now I'm going to spend time with my spouse. And have you ever been in this situation and had people call you, for all the men in the room, call you whipped. <laughs> See, this is what makes it difficult. <laughs> There's another phrase that, that we use sometimes as men that I won't say in church. <laughs> but see, we, it's difficult to do this because culture says don't do this. 
So culture says, oh, no, don't leave your friends for your pa-. Really? You're going to start, you're going to ditch us for her? You're going there? Well, I've been working six days this week. And I've had some late nights. And I've got some time to spend with somebody. And I believe that God called me to spend it with my spouse. Because my priorities are God, my spouse, my kids, then all the other stuff. (laughs) So culture says you're weird for doing this. And it makes it difficult to do it. (laughs) So even when things are difficult to do, trusting God looks like I'm going to do it God's way. And I'm going to keep my priorities straight even when it's difficult. Even when it doesn't make sense. And the reality is that those friends' opinions aren't as, in that scenario, those friends' opinions are not as important as your spouse's opinion. And let me, let me relate, and let, now let me relate this to God. If, if you're more concerned about pleasing people than pleasing God, something's out of alignment. And it's not always easy to do. It's not always easy to do. But God's opinion matters more than your opinion. So can I be bold enough to say this today? That God's opinion of me and what he gave me to share is more important than your opinion of what I'm sharing. And the same goes for you. God's opinion of you and what God has called you to do is more important than the opinions of other people. We've got to be obedient. We should follow Jesus above all else. Another thing, trusting God looks like following him even though you may not understand everything. You ever been there? Trying to trust God even though I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about, we're not going to read it today, but Paul talks about how God uses what is considered foolish to the world to bring salvation. So everything doesn't always make sense. We would look at it and be like, well, why is, like, I would have thought that God would use them. Because they have the education, and they have the requirements, and they've done all the things to be in that position. Why is God not using them? It's because God doesn't work off of what we think he ought to work off of. So God calls people that other people would look at and say, I don't know how in the world you got to the position that you're in right now. Come on, I'll tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you today, I am not qualified to do this right here. (laughs) The only thing that qualifies me to do what I'm doing today is that God called me. That's it. And when God calls you and you obey, then God blesses it, and it does what God called it to do. And so I'm just walking in a calling. It doesn't mean that I did a whole bunch of things to be qualified for this position. No. I said, God, what do you have for my life? And God said, this is it. And I said, okay. And here we are, 9.30 service (laughs) at Impact Church, 2018. Have you ever thought about some of the things that are in the Bible or in the Word of God that might seem crazy to some people? Because some of the things it says is that we're supposed to talk about our weaknesses or give money away. Don't worry about worldly possessions. Look forward to your reward in heaven. Look forward to these things that you can't even see right now. Or to show love and show grace to people that are unloved or that are outsiders or that are less fortunate than other people in our community. And a lot of these things, they don't make sense. You can read through the Bible and be like, I don't, I, like, 
you're trying to figure out, God, why did you do it that way? And one day we'll know. We'll be in heaven. We'll have perfect mind, perfect body. And we'll be able to kind of better understand what God was doing. But trusting God looks like doing what God's telling you to do even when you don't understand it. I'm going to do what God tells me to do even when I don't get it in the moment. Even when I don't understand it in the moment. I want to, I need, I need two guys, or no, I just need one. Just give me one guy. Trevor, can you help me out? I know you won't be weirded out by this, so that's why I'm using you. Yeah. Come on, can we give it up for Trevor? Woohoo! Because I'm about to do something that might make you uncomfortable, but, but just bear with me. All right, come down here in front where everybody can hopefully see this. All right, so there's a thing. So we're talking about things not making sense and things looking weird and, and all that. Have you ever thought about, are you worried? Uh, yeah. Are you worried yet? <laughs> a little bit. So have you, ever, have you ever thought about the Heimlich Maneuver? You ever thought about this? So let's just pretend you're choking. Can we do this? Never involve me. That's good. That's good. Okay, so let's pretend like you're choking. So cough. Some, oh, there it is. <laughs> so in order, to, in order to dislodge what he's choking on and save his life, I've got to come over here. I won't really do it. But I've got to do something that looks weird, right? Have you ever just stopped and thought about it? And in the, in the moment, you're like, what is that guy? Like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But it's the only thing that will save his life. And what person would be sitting over here and see somebody choking to death and think, I would do the Heimlich Maneuver on you, but that looks weird. And it's different. And I don't really understand how it works, Right? So I'm just going to leave you alone because it looks weird. And I don't really get it. I'm not a med student. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Right? Who would sit over here and say, well, because the Heimlich Maneuver looks weird and doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to go save his life. Nobody would do that. Nobody would do that. Why do we – thank you. Can we, can we give him a hand again? <laughs> why, why are we fearful of that? When we follow Jesus. Because we do this all the time. There's somebody, come on, there might have been somebody sitting in here alone when you walked in. And, and as soon as you walked in the door, the Holy Spirit said, go sit by them. And we immediately start having this conversation with God. <laughs> well, God, I don't know them. <laughs> And they are new here. This is their first time. I have never seen them before. I don't know. Like, are they going to be weirded out? Because I go over there and sit. We start having this. And, and God says, would you just go sit by them? <laughs> but this is what we do because of fear. God says, God says to do something. And immediately the enemy says, well, you don't want to do that because it looks weird. Well, what are they, they, they going to think when you go over there and sit by them? Well, I feel like I feel like I'm supposed to go pray for that person and that God wants me to to encourage them and pray for them and tell them, you know, specifically something. Maybe I'm just supposed to go tell them that that God has not left you or that God sees where you're at or that God's taking care of that. 
but I don't do it because I don't understand it. Why would we sit over here when somebody's choking and not go perform the procedure that would save their life because it might look funny while we're doing it, but when God asks us to do something, we don't trust God in that situation. We let fear take over, and we don't do it a lot of times because we're fearful of what other people are going to think, and other people's opinions of us become more important to us than what God thinks about us being obedient in the moment. This is, this is what we do, and I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to help you because this is for me also. Now, when God says, when God says, when God says, go sit by that person, when God says, pay for that person's groceries, when God, you don't know what God's been doing over the last week in that person's life or what they've been going through. And your one little thing might be the thing that they said, God, if you tell that person, if you make somebody come over here and sit by me today, then I'll know that you're real. (laughs) And somebody did that for real. And because you went over there and you obeyed and you sat down next to them, they start crying because God heard them. We don't know what's God, and we're not going to understand it all the time. But it's like we talked about last week. we got to obey. And if we want to fight this enemy of fear, we got to just trust God. Just trust God. God's not going to steer you wrong. Just trust God. Just trust God. Amen. I want to bring the worship team back up. Will you stand to your feet? I believe we have to be willing to follow Jesus even when we may not fully understand everything he's doing in the moment. But we're following him because we trust him. And I'm not going to let fear control my life. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God with my money. I'm going to trust God with my family. I'm going to trust God with my career. I'm going to trust God with the promotion. I'm going to trust God with provision. I'm going to trust God in every area of my life. I'm just going to trust God. I'm not going to let fear dictate my life. And with all that being said, I believe this is the truth. There's only one gospel that saves people. It's one thing that saves people. It's what Jesus did for you. And just because it's, it, it might look weird sometimes or we don't completely understand it, why would you not save somebody else's life? Why wouldn't you? Because of what somebody might think? You're not going to go over there and do what God told you to do because somebody else might look at you weird when God's probably been working with them to do something and they're rejecting it too. And you just don't know that God's already been telling them to do it. Maybe God told them to do it first, and because they won't do it, now he's talking to you, and he wants you to do it. We don't know what God's doing. We just need to trust him. Just trust him. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to bring the prayer team up as well. I want to pray for two two groups of people and then we're going to open it up as we sing this final worship song for prayer for anything that you may need in your life but two specific things that I want to pray for the first one is this if you're here today and we did this last week and I'll probably do this the whole series but if you're here today and and you would say I'm I'm struggling with fear there's fear in my life I'm fearful It, it could be anything in your life but I'm struggling with fear the enemy has crept into my life and he has brought fear and I'm not trusting God with every area of my life is that anybody today would you just raise your hand I just want to pray for you thank you thank you thank you thank you hands everywhere 
God, I thank you right now that fear has no place in our lives. That you didn't give us a spirit of fear, you gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And God, we receive what you have for us today and we rebuke what the enemy is trying to bring into our lives today. And we say we will no longer live in fear. We will trust God. We will trust you with our whole lives. Whatever you whatever you tell me to do, I will trust you. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll trust you. And Lord, we declare today that from this moment forward, we are no longer controlled by fear in our lives. In Jesus' name. I want to ask you one, one more thing. If there's anybody here today and you felt that 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 tug at your heart and you know that that i need to i need to give my life to jesus that's what i need to do today i need to give my life to jesus that's my first step i just need to give my life to him we're going to all pray this prayer together because nobody prays alone and we're not going to call you out we're not going to do anything crazy i believe that jesus wants to meet you right where you're standing right now he's that big that he can come stand next to you right now as you give him your life and so if that's you today, we're going to pray this prayer all together. But I want you to do this. If, if, if you're saying, man, today's my day and I want, to, I, want to make that, I want to make that commitment to God. I want to give my life to Jesus. Will you just raise your hand where you're at right now? All right, let's pray this prayer together. God, I thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for loving me no matter what. Today I receive your forgiveness for all of my sin help me to live for you I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life I give my life to you today I want everything that you have for me and nothing that you don't thank you for saving me in Jesus name amen amen can we clap our hands for those that made that decision today God's good, amen? We're going to sing one final song and worship together, but I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, if you're here today and you need prayer for anything in your life, we're here to pray for you. We want to pray for you. It's an honor to be able to pray with you. And so, Holy Spirit, as we sing this last song, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
His name is Jesus. Oh, 